Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thanks again for joining us. Always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Trade issues. Our U.S. Trade Representative, Catherine Tai, has been talking with Canadian officials and Mexican officials about some trade issues. Dairy with Canada, of course. Biotech and potato issues with Mexico. We'll talk about that with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And where are we on getting a trade promotion authority renewed? And what's the importance of that? We'll talk about that on today's program. And another preview for this year's Farm Progress Show. It's getting close now. August 31st, September 1st and 2nd, Decatur, Illinois. Uh, our Farm Progress Show previews brought to you by Syngenta. We will talk about crop conditions. We'll also talk about plans for this year's show. We have some announcements uh, that will be coming. Matt Youngman, Events Manager for Farm Progress, will join us, Will be joining us, as well as Dean Grossnickel, Syngenta Agronomy Rep. So all that coming up on today's program. But... Oh, I should also mention Secretary Vilsack on the road making some announcements today concerning uh, small meat processing facilities and some other things. We'll be talking more about that coming up on Monday show. But let's start things off now by checking in on the wheat harvest in Kansas. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat, joins us again. Justin, good to talk with you. How far along is the harvest? Well, good to be with you, Mike. You know, uh, progress this week was a little bit slow. Harvest has been a little bit sluggish, but I would say we're we're probably nearing in Kansas about 80 to 85 percent complete. Yeah, you've had a few things, a few challenges along the way to slow things down, but still uh, you're you're getting through it. And uh, what uh, what are some of the results? You've been kind of keeping us up to date how it's going. What What's the latest you can tell us about yields, about quality, just how it's going overall? Well, you bet, Mike. You know, it, it for the most part, when I mention the word sluggish, it's just once we had the 4th of July weekend, I think there was a lot of anticipation to get out and get the fields. The crop is a lot better than what we probably would have thought it was going to be uh, back in March when we had some dry conditions. Uh, so there's really some good-looking yields out there. It's just the challenge of getting in the field and getting after it. That's, uh, as we're getting into northwest Kansas, up around the Goodland area, we're seeing yields around 50 to 70 bushels per acre. Uh, the biggest challenge has just been uh, you know, high humidity, rains, and and uh, getting that wheat to dry back down, there's a lot of a lot of farmers aren't able to get in the fields almost two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and then having to shut down fairly early, uh, just because of that uh, the the higher moisture in, in that wheat. But for the most part, the yields look to be uh, probably better than average. Uh, look, look to be holding in there pretty good. Uh, it's a similar situation as Colorado and Nebraska are trying to get started. Uh, you know, 50 to 70 bushel yields, test weights over 60 to 62 pounds. Uh, the overall quality, probably variability that we're seeing, a lot of interest is on the proteins. Where we've got really a wide range of growth, uh, from 9, 9% on the low end all the way up to 14% on some of the high ends. But that's pretty, pretty rare in those higher proteins, you know, with that variability. You know, we're seeing a lot of lower test weights where that wheat wasn't filled out quite well. Uh, 
quite done when uh, we got those high temperatures in, in June and just shut that crop down to a little bit smaller smaller kernels. But overall, we're probably looking at Kansas, Oklahoma, if I had to guess right now, Mike. Uh, overall protein average is around that 11 to 11.4%, which would be lower than average and probably one of the reasons why we're seeing protein values uh, holding pretty steady uh, for farmers and the protein premiums look to be in place and, until we get a better handle on uh, what the, the northern plains crops going to be like. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat. has to be frustrating, as you said, to have such a short harvest window each day uh, as you as they wait for things to dry down enough to be able to get out there. I mean, kind of a lot of sitting around waiting to get going, and uh, that has to be frustrating. No, it, cer- it certainly isn't. It's, it's so atypical for, uh, or non-typical for, for Kansas July weather. Uh, you know, usually you, it, once harvest gets going, it, uh, we usually have a high-pressure system sitting over, over Kansas about this time of year where we can start cutting early in the morning, combines, and everything thrashes good, and you can run till pretty late at night. And so we haven't really had those kind of days this year. You know, every year is, is different. You know, it's not not unique to have challenges, but probably when you think about this year, you know, it is unique to have this many challenges, this widespread, you know, so you and I are kind of talking about Kansas and Oklahoma right now. When you think about the total U.S. wheat crop, uh, you know, we are starting to hear some reports of uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, some some harvest mm-hmm. getting getting started, those drought conditions they have in the soft white wheat. And, and, you know, we have had some lower protein and some quality issues in this hard red winter wheat area. Uh, the soft red winter wheat uh, has had some some challenges with some quality. Arkansas through Missouri, now they're getting up to Illinois and Indiana, but uh, this, there's some challenges in that soft red winter wheat crop. And, of course, the spring wheat, the northern plains, just uh, kind of 1988 historic poor conditions that I think are probably going to really get highlighted later this month with the, the spring wheat tour. It, it's shaping up to be a, you know, a really challenging year when you think about uh, uh, marketing organizations communicating how to uh, compete in the export market uh, about the quality and uh, the production of this this year's U- U.S. wheat crop. It's it's going to be a real interesting year, Mike, for sure. Yeah, no shortage of challenges, definitely. Uh, let's talk about spring wheat. How does your crop look? Well, the spring wheat crop, you know, uh, is we grow very few acres of spring wheat. We are getting more more acres of spring wheat as farmers are in the southern plains looking to break up uh, corn rotations as we're getting more corn acres, uh, looking to plant um, uh, potential spring wheat down in uh, Nebraska and Kansas. But, boy, conversations we're having with uh, as we're getting up into South Dakota and North Dakota spring wheat, just uh, you know, there's some some fields that are that have caught just a little bit of moisture that are that are look okay from the field or from the road but once you get out in the field, you know i think the big concern is just uh, those heads filling out just not not having that kernel set and i think that's why you're gonna you know you're seeing production estimates for the total spring wheat crop to to be uh, drawn down quite a bit on those reports that come out on monday and you know that spring wheat tour that's going to happen uh, up in through south dakota uh, minnesota north dakota and montana that last week of july i think think will really tell a heck of a story about how, uh, for those who haven't seen it firsthand, just how dire some of those conditions are up there. But, you know, we are hearing reports of some spring wheat that's already starting to turn color uh, up in Minnesota, which is uh, probably not a good sign uh, for, for yield for some of that crop. But uh, I think I think the market's really going to be keeping an eye on, on what happens with total production and uh, 
everybody's probably going to estimate. Uh, and I wasn't I wasn't around then, Mike, but I know a lot of people were uh, uh, comparing this year to uh, the historic bad and tough year of 1988. Uh, and if that gets realized, it uh, uh, probably going to have to really rely on a lot of carry carryover stocks for that for the total spring wheat crop. All right, we'll wait and see what those final numbers are. Justin, thanks for keeping us up to date. We appreciate it. Take care. You bet. Thanks for all you do for agriculture, Mike. Have a nice week. You too. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat. Up next, we take a look at some trade issues with Canada and Mexico. Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation joins us next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Krista Harden, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. We know it was challenging to be able to do much uh, market development work during the pandemic, and as we are coming out of it to varying degrees around the world, how is that going now in, in getting back up and going again in some of these markets? We had to really think about how we're going to do things differently. Um, we not, are not going to trade shows. We're not having the you know face-to-face getting to know, building that trust, working on that reputation. So all of us, I think, in the industry and across agriculture really had to think differently. I'm pretty proud of how quickly we changed and started working with folks, some of us with Zoom, some of us with other types of you know, cooking demonstration programs, working with students, culinary students, doing our programs, developing partnerships um, in a virtual way, but being constant. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. 
This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk trade issues with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Those issues are being discussed at uh, at high levels with our U.S. Trade Representative, Catherine Tai, with her counterparts in Mexico and Canada. Let's uh, see what's uh, coming out of those talks. Dave, thanks for being with us. Let's start with Mexico. Two big issues here, biotech approvals and potatoes. What have we learned? Uh, what are we hearing out of these talks that have been going on? Yeah. Well, the talks uh, between the, uh, again, USTR tie, the uh, Secretary of the Economy of Mexico, and the Canadian Trade Minister are all to commemorate the entry into force of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement a year ago. As you said, with Mexico, um, Catherine Tai is bringing up the issues that U.S. agriculture has been presenting as a continuing problem, potato access into Mexico, uh, the biotech approval process has been very slow to non-existent for several years. It was uh, mentioned in USMCA, something to work on. We're glad that she's bringing it up, trying to push the Mexicans to move that process along. Uh, there's other issues. We have the continuing issue of the Mexican decree from the last December about over time, uh, phasing out the use of glyphosate. Still really unsure what that might mean for our trade uh, with Mexico. So... Lots of issues. Um, we're uh, pleased that the uh, trade representative has brought them up, is, is engaging in discussions. Um, we'll uh, look to see the fruits of those discussions hopefully soon. The the potato issue has been ongoing for some time. Um, we've been talking <laughs> yeah. with uh, Cam Quarles with the uh, National Potato Council, and while there's been some optimistic signs, uh, it's still not a, a done deal as far as getting more access into that market for our potatoes. Uh, does it look like we're getting any closer to resolution on that? Well, you know, this, again, this has been a multi-decade issue. I think this started somewhere probably in the early 2000s or before. Um, then recently, back in March, you finally had this decision of the Mexican Supreme Court ruling that uh, this should go ahead, that the regulation, which had been done in Mexico to allow access for our potato imports throughout the country, should be implemented. Well, now we're looking at implementation and how quickly the Mexican government actually moves, put that put that regulation into place and allow the access. Well, that's not happening yet. So uh, hence the push uh, from the U.S. side to try to move the Mexican government along. Uh, on the biotech side, as far as Mexico is concerned, supposedly one of the strengths of USMCA, which we're observing the one-year anniversary here, uh, supposedly one of the strengths of it was uh, the the section concerning biotechnology, right, aimed at uh, yeah. supporting cooperation on that front. And uh, But Mexico, we're told, has not approved a new ag trait since uh, 2018. So um, yeah. even, even with USMCA in place, they yeah. don't seem to be moving on that. No, and that's why I think there's this, uh, we've kind of moved that towards the, up to the top of the issues with Mexico to be discussed. Yeah, there's this whole committee and consultation process set up um, the idea that, well, okay, the Mexican government, do you need help in doing this? Do you need uh, assistance, technical assistance, and how to make sure this happens properly? 
so that's available. That's there. Uh, what's holding them back? I think there's some issues uh, with how they, the uh, current administration in Mexico wants to approach uh, biotechnology. Um, but again, as you said and pointed out rightly, it was a topic of discussion in USMCA negotiations. It's right there in the agreement that these things should be worked on and lead to a smooth process of approvals. So it's uh, one of those issues that's going to require constant attention. We're talking with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Also needing constant uh, attention is the dairy dispute between the U.S. and Canada. And uh, USMCA hasn't ended that dispute either. I mean, that's still ongoing, isn't it? Yes, getting U.S. dairy products uh, even greater access into Canada has been a multi-multi-decade process. Remember, that was an issue that in the 1988 U.S.-Canada Free Trade Agreement uh, was discussed, not implemented then. Then it, uh, you know, there was some access. The USMCA got more. Well, now it's a dispute over how Canada is implementing the tariff rate quotas, basically the new quota access that U.S. dairy products have. Uh, USTR has started that dispute process formally. Uh, There will be an initial report about what's going on, we expect, by December. And then after that, more action can be taken. So these processes don't grind quickly, but this is the first formal dispute case that started under USMCA. And uh, again, that's something that I think the industry and all of us are watching closely You know, we all value these trade agreements, but we value them more when they're enforced. So this is all part of that process. The good news, there is a process. The bad news, as you pointed out, it can take a long time. Yes, it can. Yeah, it does. Wow. All right, let's uh, talk about another trade issue that we just don't hear that much about. It it seemingly is not a a top-of-the-list priority for this administration, at least not yet, and that is a renewal of Trade Promotion Authority. T- talk about how important that is, how meaningful that is uh, for these trade issues, and where are we with this? Well, we are at the fact that the current legislation ended officially on July 1st, so there is currently not that Trade Promotion Authority uh, legislation uh, effective. Remember, it has three parts, one or a whole series of negotiating objectives throughout all kinds of industries, including agriculture. Then there's a consultation process whereby the administration, when it's negotiating before it starts, has to brief Congress, has to get input. It's all laid out in the agreement. And then there's the procedures. Once you have a trade agreement, um, experience shows the best way to get them through is with an up or down vote without amendment. So that's all laid out in the uh, Trade Promotion Authority legislation. Now, we've had in the past times we haven't had it. That doesn't mean administrations can't start trade agreements but they basically have to operate without this uh, legal authority. And I think it does have an impact. I think other countries don't take us quite as seriously when we don't have TPA. It really is a gesture of the intent of an administration and a Congress, remember they're working together on this, that they really want to engage in trade agreements and really want to take a leadership position. So I think that is a downside of not having it. Again, you can still do trade negotiations, um, we certainly look forward to the time when the administration and Congress get together and want to do a new TPA. Well, we're in favor of it. I think most of agriculture realizes it's important uh, to continue these talks. We want knockdown barriers. We want to diversify our markets for our ag products. TPA is a part of that, and it really sets direction for the government 
on how to approach trade. So uh, we're disappointed that uh, this isn't moving forward, but we'll keep working to try to get it back on the agenda. But as you pointed out, for right now, it's uh, it's sort of just sitting there. So you agree with me that it's it's fair to say it's just not doesn't seem to be a priority for this administration. I don't think they've gotten to it yet. Uh, when you ask about it, and it's been brought up many times. The obvious things of all the other things that are going on, and that's all fair. But I think uh, administrations need to realize that uh, this is important. That by the time you get around to wanting to do trade agreements, you know they take a long time. Um, so I think they uh, we would be uh, more pleased to see them engaging on it and work. There had to be work on a new one, anyways. You know they don't just usually extend the current one. It's possible. Congress and an administration, you know, it's been six years since we did that, usually like to take a fresh look. Well, you know, I think they, uh, everybody would uh, agree that it's, uh, at some point we need to get started on that and move towards having a new TPA. You know, obviously things are happening. Uh, our U.S. Trade Representative, Ty, she's talking with, uh, as we said, officials in Mexico and Canada. But it seems like overall trade is, at least from what we're hearing, is is not uh, something that uh, is being pushed real hard right now. We're just, is it unusual in the early days of an administration for it to be so quiet on the trade front? Well, it's not unusual. I think we were, uh, we look back, of course, the, the opposite approach was taken by President Trump in the beginning of his administration, where there was so much going on with, with trade. Remember in the first few days, the withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, the revving up of new negotiations, which led to the USMCA. You know, there was a lot going on there. Uh, of course, the efforts which culminated in all the things going on with China that happened in 2018 and beyond. Um, but if you look back to, say, the beginning of the Obama administration, other administrations, they, were, uh, they weren't quick off the mark on trade either. It took them a while to get going, though eventually they embraced one of the biggest trade agendas ever, in, uh, you know, starting up and pursuing the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the discussions with the European Union, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. So every, uh, every administration seems to have a different, uh, different clock on how they want to do these things. So we'll see if no news leads to good news or not, uh, but it is quiet on that front. Dave, good to talk with you. Thank you for the update. Okay, thank you. Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Up next... A Farm Progress Show preview, and we'll take a look at some crop conditions as well. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at the Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Chinese farmers have reportedly increased their corn plantings this year to take advantage of record corn prices. Reuters reported that the corn acreage expansion in China would increase their 2021-2022 corn production by at least 6%. Domestically, weather and Monday's USDA reports have the market buzzing. Row crops are mixed this morning. September corn trading three and a fraction lower at 533 and a fraction. The December contract down five and three quarters at five. 18. For soybeans, the August contract up five and a half cent at 13.71 and a half cent. The September contract up four at 13.30 and a fraction. For wheat, Chicago wheat September down three at 6.15. Kansas City wheat September up two and a half cent at 5.90 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September up three quarters at 8.05 and three quarters. The December contract up three quarters at 7.98 and three quarters. For livestock, cash bids did not do well this week. Texas cattle traded at an average of $120 in Nebraska, averaging $125. Kansas ranged from $119 to $122, averaging $120. These are steady to slightly lower than last week. August live cattle on the Board of Trade trading $0.25 cents lower at $119.02. The October contract down $35 at $125.10. For feeders, August unchanged at $157.32. September down $0.07 cents at $159.95. In lean hogs, the August contract up $67 at 101.05 the October contract up 62 at 84.72 in the outside markets the Dow is up 371 points the Nasdaq composite up 43 the S&P 500 up 32 crude oil in New York the August contract up a dollar 45 at 74.39 per barrel the US dollar index is trending lower that was a check of Friday morning markets I'm Kirsten Rall and you're listening to AOA 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, it's time now for a Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. The Farm Progress Show will be in Decatur, Illinois, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. Joining us now is Matt Youngman, Events Manager for Farm Progress. Matt, boy, you start looking at the calendar. It's, it's getting pretty close. Yeah, it's it's getting it's getting real now. Uh, you know, the the show program actually closes today, and so we're we're 
working at a frenzied pace to make sure that we have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted to make sure that everything looks right in the show program and that, that everything we plan to do at the Farm Progress Show is, is, is documented there, and then we can start feeding that content onto the website. It's, uh, it, it's getting exciting. We're, uh, we're starting to see more and more people stopping out to the show site, and, and the, first, the first couple loads of wood chips are already there on site. You know, it, it's, it's about to turn from that, uh, from that planning phase to the doing phase, uh, which, which is, is a little nerve-wracking because you want to make sure you've got everything buttoned up, but, uh, but it's exciting at the same time. Hey, when the wood chips get there, it's starting to get close. Yeah, it gets real. As soon as you smell wood chips <laughs> and vinyl of the tents going up, it, 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 is, it is getting real, and, it, and it's going to be a farm progress show. That's no kidding. I mean, after so many years of covering this show, to this day, when I smell wood chips or, or, or mulch or tents, I, I, I immediately think of farm progress show. Yep, it's, a, it's, it's certainly <laughs> got a, a very unique, unique feel. All right. Uh, I also understand that the host farmer, David Bricks, has uh, been doing some wheat harvesting on the show side as well. Yeah, if, you, if you're watching Facebook, you would have seen that. The, the, that east parking lot there, just east of the show site, we kind of use that as, as a laydown area during setup. So, you know, and, 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 and we, we really give it a, a beating, and we focus the beating there in that one place versus spreading it all around all the parking lots and really not do any of that inside the show site so we, we plant wheat there on a show year he got that off here within the last week and got the straw bailed up so ready to go out there and start laying out the different places where you know the all, most of the tillage companies will will ship all those tillage tools out in parts and they need a place to stretch out and, and run the forklift around and, and start assembling all those things so that's that's what's about to start happening out there in that wheat field. Apparently, he had about eighty to ninety bushel wheat out there, and and so you know that that bodes well for a good corn crop. And the alfalfa in the parking lots looks real good. It's it's gonna. I think you would, you can probably echo. There's a, there's a great big rain coming this weekend that we're all going to keep our eye on to make sure it doesn't have too much wind in it. But uh, but you know everything right now as we sit looks real good. Yeah, two weeks from today we'll be on site there in Decatur and. Uh, for another preview and we'll have a chance to talk about conditions at that time as i've said before where we see an alfalfa field or a wheat field you're seeing a parking lot or or a place for equipment to park or things like that so you you look at it differently uh, as you look ahead to the show uh also joining us now is dean grossnickel he's a syngenta agronomy rep dean thank you for joining us uh tell us about the area that you cover and what you're seeing crop wise yeah, um, thanks for having me here uh, this morning. Yeah, uh, I'm based out of central Iowa in the Ames, Iowa area, and um, actually things look uh, relatively good for how scattered the, the rainfall is in and around Iowa. Um, for me here, right at, at this uh, Ames location, uh, in my plot site here, I've had three inches of rain since April 1, uh, overall till this morning and right now this morning I got a nice uh, almost seven tenths of an inch of rain crop looks good for as limited rain as what we've had throughout here so I think uh, there was a lot of concern early on um, you know especially in that uh, late June time frame when we when we got some widespread coverage of about that inch of rain people were kind of a little bit hesitant we picked up rain limped us along a little bit and other areas of the state are continue to limp along Things look good for the limited rainfall that we've had, so um, I think uh, spirits are picking up here a little bit. 
looks like there's still a little bit more uh, rain in the forecast, and I think uh, people are crossing their fingers, being very op- op- you know, hopeful that uh, we'll continue to um, limp this along and get a good crop at the end. So, It's really been a mixed bag uh, for Iowa this year, hasn't it, so far? Oh, it has. It has. You know, you go from, you know, that uh, um, right before Memorial Day, having frost in some of those northern northern counties and that sort of thing, and so you had some replant of soybeans, some corn that got frosted off. Uh, that was very hit or miss. You know, rainfall's been all over the board uh, as far as that's concerned. But uh, again, I think overall, given the the trials and tribulations that we've had, things look pretty darn good right now. So, Matt, I know you you listen to that. The report with interest even more if it had been the year you the show was in uh, in Boone, but uh, still it catches your interest, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, I, for I sure. Up, oh, sorry, about I grew that. up in yeah. Central Iowa, so yeah, I, I grew up in Central Iowa, so I'm I've got a lot of friends out there that are that are you know they they some of them have gotten great rains and, and they're in good shape, and others you know all over Iowa are it, it is all over the place. Yep. Um, so over. Yeah, go ahead, Dean. Yeah, just just for uh, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, perspective. You know, the Farm Progress Show from where I live here, and I was just telling you about it's probably about ten miles away, right? And they caught a couple inch rains that that we didn't do, so you know, get here at at uh, Gilbert. So um, it's very very interesting that Farm Progress show, site here in Iowa looks fantastic. Um, and that sort of thing. I actually wish it was here this year, so uh, it looks, looks really good down there. Yeah, it'll be back in Boone, Iowa again next year, but this year yep. in Decatur, Illinois, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. Matt Youngman, uh, what are some of the – You each time we talk, you kind of give us a little bit more of a sneak preview of what we'll see or expect at the show. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, some of the plans for this year? Well, I mentioned that we're we're kind of putting the show program to bed here and, and shipping it off to the printer, so it, it's going to start hitting mailboxes right about the between the 29th of July and the 2nd of August is when it's going to start hitting folks' mailboxes. You know, we the noon show that Max Armstrong does there from the hospitality building uh, always has some some really great guests, and and we've got a a heck of a lineup this year, specifically along the lines of on Tuesday we're going to have. 13 or more, there may be more signing up, but we know 13 state directors or secretaries or commissioners of ag that are going to be here. And, and the gal that is in charge of the association of those folks is retiring. Her last day of work is actually August 31st, the first day of the Farm Progress Show. And so they're going to have a little ceremony to thank her for all the work she's done to, to, to keep all those directors together and, and run their association and then on Wednesday, we're going to have at least five lieutenant governors from around the country. They're on stage with Max. And then, and then Thursday's highlight is the Prairie Farmer Master Farmer induction. Uh, that, that's going to be going on all, all over the middle part of the day there in the hospitality building. And then we've got uh, something that is not going to probably make the show program um, is, is we're looking at having a listening session. There's a, there's a subcommittee from D.C. Of, of congressmen that may be coming in uh, to, to have a listening session with growers, so working on that project. But there's, there's kind of a, a full schedule of things going on inside that hospitality building. You know, Max's noon show is obviously a highlight there. Uh, also going to have other speakers there on a variety of things, as well as an opportunity to, 
meet up with social media influencers. You know, we're working with several social media influencers, and part of what we're doing with them is give them a little bit of time there on the stage so that folks can, can meet them in person. So we're, we're looking forward to, to a, a, big, a big run there on, in the hospitality building. And a chance to talk with Max a little bit, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And I should probably mention as well, in all the off times when there's not something scheduled there, they're going to tape, they, they tape the, mm-hmm. the week's edition of This Week in Agribusiness, as well as a couple of other TV shows. Uh, you know, the best of the Farm Progress show is recorded there in the hospitality building. So it's kind of fun to, to watch a TV show get made from, from there in person, kind of, kind of watch, watch it be made and then be able to go home that weekend and then watch, watch what you saw on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, advanced tickets should, uh, how important is it or how helpful is it to get tickets in advance for the farm progress show? Well, probably more than ever, uh, this year, you know, we're going to, we're going to ask folks to, to tell us who they are on the way in. And, and that, 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 you know, is going to, is going to, perhaps slow things down at the gates a little bit, but if you buy those advanced tickets, if you buy them online, not only do you get them cheaper, it speeds your way in the gate. You just you, you print out your ticket at home and walk up and show them the barcode on the piece of paper, scan it, and, and put a wristband on, and you're in. And so, you know, I'd say probably more than ever, getting your advanced ticket spot is, is important. And, and the thing about that is, you know, I mentioned that, that they're cheaper, you know, you can you can buy a ticket without knowing whether you're going to go on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. They work any day. So you, you go ahead and get it bought and, and stick it in the glove compartment or on the dash of your pickup, and then you know you've got it so that whatever day you decide to come to the show, uh, it's there and, and, and ready to go. And how do they purchase those advanced tickets? Yeah, good question. That farmprogressshow.com, it's right there on the top bar of, of the website, and, and it's a process you can do from your computer or your tablet or even your phone. You know, you can, you can do it at any time uh, through any of your devices, and, and you don't even actually have to print out your ticket. You'll get an email with your ticket PDF attached to it, and that'll have a barcode that you can just bring up on your phone and scan it there as you walk into the gate. All right. We're talking with Matt Youngman, Farm Progress events manager and dean Grossnichols and jenna agronomy rep we're talking about the farm progress show coming up in decatur illinois august 31st september 1st and 2nd also talking crop conditions in the state of iowa we'll come back and talk about both of those as we continue to look ahead to a big event this summer good to have the farm progress show back in person coming up in decatur illinois our farm progress show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Stay with us. More coming up here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner too. 
endure lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Blood clots can happen to anyone. Up to 900,000 people in the United States are affected by blood clots each year, and 100,000 die from them. Blood clots don't discriminate. You or a loved one could be at risk right now. The good news is blood clots can be prevented. Knowing the risks and symptoms are key. On average, one person in the United States dies of a blood clot every six minutes. Don't let that be you or someone you know. Learn more at stoptheclot.org slash spread the word. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Troy Bradenkamp, Senior Vice President, Government and Public Affairs for the Renewable Fuels Association. First of all, how do you break down this ruling and pluses, minuses from a biofuels perspective? What's your analysis? We're obviously disappointed. Uh, You know, the Supreme Court sided against us on, I guess, what we would call a technical issue, the definition of extension. You know, so now it means that a small uh, refinery can apply for an exemption at any time. I think it's important to point out, though, that that it is going to be, there's going to be a more stringent threshold to grant those exemptions moving forward as the other two parts of that Tenth Circuit decision were not challenged by the Supreme Court. So, so there are two very good parts still in place, and we plan to make sure the EPA sticks to those. Um, and, and so we were disappointed and a little bit surprised. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player for the Indianapolis Colts. Becoming a running back was no easy task for me, but it's nothing compared to what my amazing mom faces every day. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14 years old, yet she's always there for me, every step of the way, despite her own battles. And the Muscular Dystrophy Association is there for my mom. At their 150 care centers across the U.S., MDA is the leading organization in research and care for kids and adults with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and related neuromuscular diseases. Their research is helping find cures and save lives. 
Watching my mom go through her daily struggles and the care she receives from MDA has made me determined to help find a cure for neuromuscular disease. That is why I support MDA, and that's why I'm so grateful to others who do too. Join me and learn more at helpmda.org today. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Farm Progress Show coming August 31st, September 1st and 2nd in Decatur, Illinois. We're joined by Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, and Dean Grossnickel, Syngenta Agronomy Rep in Iowa. Dean, you talked about weather conditions, getting some rain there where you're at uh, around the Ames area. Uh, what are you working with with farmers right now, and what are you seeing out there as far as weeds, insects, disease? Uh, what are some of the issues you're dealing with? Yeah, good question there. Yeah, so um, basically, um, just given the the droughty kind of conditions, I think uh, weed control in general uh, has been a challenge this year, both in the corn and soybeans. We talked about earlier about that that frost that came in right before uh, Memorial Day and and that sort of thing. I think that really hardened things off. Then we we had about a week of of decent temperatures. You know, that crop's trying to recover uh, out of that frost event and hey, it's time to spray, and, and people started going out there, spraying their corn, and, and I think there, it was really challenged on weed control with, uh, uh, for water hemp in those regards, and a lot of it, it, you know, in a lot of cases. We then, then turn into the, the June time frame, and we just turned on the blast furnace here in, in Iowa, and 90-degree temperatures, hot, very low humidity, and, and that sort of thing, so that 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 water hemp, uh, which is one of our main weeds here in Iowa, was very very difficult to control. A lot of guys had to come back in and and uh, uh, and then retreat. And in addition, because it was so dry, you know your your herbicides that have those overlapping residual concepts that have that that residual, we didn't get the rain to get them into soil solution and activated. So um, there you, you you put your best foot forward trying to get weed control. Had a hard time killing what was there. Then we didn't get anything to uh, help suppress those uh, those weeds with that overlapping residual. You may have gotten a flush that came through that. So very challenging in that regards. Same way in the soybean acre. Uh, you had to put your best foot forward with a nice pre-down, and then whether it be dicamba and list, liberty applications, uh, they were very challenged as well in that post-soybean acre. Very low humidity. You know, If you're doing that enlist-liberty type combination, Liberty likes those higher humidities and, and uh, temperatures, which we had, but it was 15% humidity when I was spraying my Liberty treatments out here, and I knew I was going to be challenged, and uh, I was for sure. And uh, that's probably some of the same things my growers are facing, or our growers here in mm-hmm. Iowa. So um, very challenging weather conditions. If you had a chance, you had to put your best foot forward, and then even in some of those instances, it wasn't enough. But uh, um those are some of the, the you know herbicide issues we're dealing with as far as insects right now. We're starting to see the you know uh, corn rootworm starting to emerge out of the 
um, uh, out of the ground right now, so I expect to see more and more of them, especially in a dry year. Uh, we had some pretty good beetle catches last fall going into this year. Uh, really nothing environmentally wise that, that uh, may have reduced that population. So I expect a lot of corn rootworms to be emerging right now. Uh, as well as Japanese beetles are starting to emerge and, and start to chew on uh, silks and, uh, and that sort of thing. So those are the two big pests on the insect side that, that we're looking for. Been relatively dry. I doubt we're going to see right now much as far as disease pressure. I do have a uh, uh, spore cam from um, Scanit Technologies out here at Gilbert that's been uh, collecting and sampling uh, the environment for uh, diseases. It has caught some northern corn leaf blight, but right now the conditions aren't, aren't in favor of establishing that disease right now. All right. Good overview. Thank you, Dean, for, for that report. Matt, uh, uh, one other thing to mention about the Farm Progress Show, you're going to have North American diving dogs. Is that right? Yeah, that's a, that's a partnership with Grinnell Mutual. Uh, Grinnell, Grinnell always sponsors a, a few different things at the show, and something new that they're sponsoring this year is, is the North American Diving Dogs. And, and, and Rick Wild from our team has wanted to have these things at the show because he saw them somewhere uh, and, and just fell in love with it. It's where you fill up a big, long pool and then build a dock over it, and then the dogs jump out into the water. They catch toys or, or they jump. You've got a bar hanging a toy at, 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 at different heights, and they jump and, and catch that, and it's, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That's going to be up there on the north end of the grounds and, and something that we've never done before. You know, one of those behind-the-scenes things you have to work on is that, okay, we're going to have this, but that also means I have to come up with 30,000 gallons of water in the middle of the show site, <laughs> so we had to find it put, it, put it near a fire hydrant so we could get enough water for those dogs to jump into. That's that's going to be that's going to be a fun thing to watch. We're really really excited about that and and that the partnership with Grinnell Mutual. Again, you you see things from a different perspective than everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly right. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes things that you've got to think of and and if if it all just magically happens and looks like I don't do much for a living, then then, then my job has, has been accomplished. We've uh you know, I guess I would also add in here um, the placement of the Syngenta Square Beer Garden. You know, that's a that's a long-standing great partnership with Syngenta. We only have one one beer garden on the grounds, and it's sponsored by Syngenta, and we appreciate that, and we pre- and, and appreciate these these calls that we're having on this regular basis. Um, you know, the placement of that is going to tie to something else fun that we're we're adding to the show. I can't talk about it yet. It's going to be in the show program, so it'll be announced here towards the end of the month. We hope. Um, but uh, one one new thing that folks can be looking forward to that we can talk about on on one of the one of the future conversations that we have here that's that's big news big news on the way for for an addition to the show. All right, we'll be watching for that announcement in a few weeks. And again, I want to mention that in a couple of weeks we'll be back on the show side indicator and have more information about this year's Farm Progress Show. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. I want to thank Dean Grossnickel, Syngenta Agronomy Rep in Iowa, for joining us for an update on conditions in Iowa. Dean, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, good to talk with you. Thanks for all the information and updates. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Take care. 
So that wraps it up for this Farm Progress Show preview. Again, the Farm Progress Show coming up in Decatur, Illinois, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. I'll be broadcasting from the Syngenta Tent and hope to see a lot of you there. That wraps it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend and hope you'll be back with us again on Monday right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.